it fulfills that creative drive that I have. And when I'm fulfilled there, it makes me a happier person. I'm more fulfilled in the sense that I can come and bring more to my kids. What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kermitzos. If you are passionate about growth in your business, if you are growing a purpose-driven business and you want access to education, to resources, and to other amazing businesswomen who can help you do it better every single day, then this is the podcast for you. Want to connect with your fellow on-fire businesswomen? Then join our free private Facebook group. Go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash group. When I asked Kirsten Oliphant to come on my show and be featured on this Mompreneur series, I joked with her that the title of the show would be called Five Effing Kids and a Business. Now, obviously, I changed the title of the show to be a little bit more appropriate, but that's kind of what we're talking about with Kirsten today. Kirsten is the creator of Create If Writing. It is an amazing podcast for anyone who is a writer or a blogger or an entrepreneur and wants to do better at writing and building an audience and using platforms for their writing. So in this interview, Kirsten talks a lot about how her passions for writing started out very differently. It looked very different when she had the first of her five kids. And she talks about how having kids sort of evolved her business into what it is now. And then she gets really open and very practical about some hacks that you can use to manage your time and to show up as the best version of a mother and the best version as an entrepreneur. And these are very practical things that you can use immediately and are super brilliant. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with Kirsten. Kirsten, what's going on, girl? Hey, so good to talk to you, Katie. I'm so excited (laughs) to talk to you too. And I teased you that this episode title would be called, I Have Five Effing Kids. And I'm still contemplating (laughs) the fact that I might title it that I'm not too sure by the time this is live. I'm sure I will have made a decision about that. But that should give you listening uh, an understanding on like what this podcast episode is going to be about, which is my awesome friend, Kirsten, who runs a great business and is a mom of five kids. So <laughs> hi, Kirsten. <laughs> hi, that's a great intro. And sometimes, know. you know, like, let me just say, it's sometimes surprising to realize, wait, I have five kids. Like, how did this happen? When did this happen? <laughs> Why did we choose this? That's a lot of children. What that's were we thinking? So... Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that I came from a family with six kids or six of us. I was number four out of five. And so I've always thought I was going to have this big family. Like there was never a question. And so three years ago when people were really starting to ask the question, like, when are you having kids and how many kids do you want? I was like, oh, four or five. (laughs) And now I have one and I'm like two, three, maybe. I don't know. Like, can I put this on fast forward? Cause I would like to just get to the point where I just have the five kids. I don't really know about that. So hopefully I, I wanted to bring you on because I wanted to shed a little light on 
a little bit about the evolution of your business because of the kids and also about your, I'm sure, well-earned hacks on how you make mompreneurship work for you, having this incredible business and being a mom. So, um, so are you ready, girl? <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, as ready as I'll ever be. I've got it all here. It's my life. So I can very easily talk about it. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So let's start with, just to give everyone a foundation, Describe your business a little bit as it sits right now. I run Create If Writing, which is a blog and podcast and kind of a community all centered around the idea of building your online platform without being smarmy, which is my word for like the sleazy salespeople and all those kinds of tactics. You know what I mean. Yes. So it's geared mostly, I thought that it was mostly going to be writers, but I had been very long kind of entrenched in the blogging community. So I really have a mix of bloggers and writers, um, and kind of creative entrepreneurs. Like I was really surprised at the kind of people that my podcast attracted when I went in thinking it would be strictly writers. Cause that was sort of the world that I was in, but I sort of was a weird unicorn in that world. And that I liked all this like platform stuff where all the writers I talked to were just like, blah, you know, like the, we hate this. So I thought that was a great space for me to walk in and be like, well, I love it. So let's talk. But yeah, I, it's, you know, I've got a weekly podcast. I've actually got a mini podcast as well each week. Um, and I do online courses and a little bit of coaching, you know, some affiliate marketing of other people's courses. Cause I don't, you know, I don't create everything. And because my community was more diverse than I planned, it's been really nice to kind of have, you know, some of these affiliate programs for other people's courses and products that I'm never going to create. Like I can just say like, this would help my people, but I'm never going to make it. Right. <laughs> so right. I'm happy to promote that. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And, uh, you know, just doing some book writing and course creation and, and hanging out with my people, trying to find out what they want and how I can sort of create something around that, a program or package. Love it. But this is not where you began when you had your first baby. So can you talk a little bit about what you were doing, like what your business really was when you first got pregnant or when that first baby came along? And then just a snapshot of that evolution. Yes, absolutely. And so it's funny because I feel like I'm going to stretch a tiny bit further back than I need to, but not for long. Back um, when I was born. <laughs> just well, you know how, kind of, you know how people, there are all these interviews where people are like, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur because back when I was five, I was selling stuff in my dad's office when he took me to daughter to work day, you know, right. and I was like, yeah, that's not my experience. <laughs> Other than the time my friend and I decided we were going to run a restaurant out of his treehouse, which was promptly shot down when we realized the health department would not pass the inspection. <laughs> so um, that was like my only thing, really, right? So I don't have that sort of entrepreneurial thing. So when I, you know, it's even been weird for me to say like, yes, I have a business because that was not where I came from. So my background is in writing. I have an, a degree in English, which is like one of those... It can help you anywhere, but it's also not useless degree, but kind of like you get one and you're like, so I guess you'll teach or something. You know? <laughs> like what do and I really do? Writing, writing does belong to everywhere, but I feel like it's one of those degrees that you're like, oh yeah, one of those. And then to make it better or worse, I went back and got my master's in fiction writing. And so, you know, I got an MFA in creative writing and that program really, you know, I kind of convinced my husband like, hey, let's move across the country. We moved from Texas to North Carolina for two years because I want to get this degree. And he's like, what are you going to do with it? And I was like, write stuff. And um, 
<laughs> he was like, I mean, okay. So we didn't have kids at that point. So we went ahead and did that. And my whole plan was the second year, you know, my program, some of those programs are more academic. Mine was more of an apprenticeship and you really studied under writers and authors and worked one-on-one with them. And it was really amazing. So my goal was to come out with a book the second year. And a lot of people just would come out with like a collection of short stories that that was their thesis. And I wanted my thesis to be a novel and I wanted to get it published. So that was my goal going in. And when I got done, I had a, I had my thesis, but it was such a work in progress. Like it just was not where I wanted it to be, but I got it into shape. And my, one of my mentors from that time got me in touch with an agent who loved it. And it's kind of funny that this is part of the journey too, is that, so that first agent loved it and I was doing some work on it that she recommended. And then she got pregnant and stopped being an agent. So she passed me off to another agent who also got appropriate for this series. I know. I was like, this is just like part of my story. So she got pregnant and she stopped working and her husband was also an agent. So at this point, I'm on my third agent and he was staying an agent and not going to get pregnant. I I was going to say, um, (laughs) he was not going to be going through that experience. (laughs) Yes. So like, okay, there's some at least security there. But what happened is, you know, he sent off the manuscript to publishers. They all loved it. And then nobody bought it. Mm. And when that happens to you, when it's a novel and, and I have to say too, this was around 2007. And so the landscape was really changing in publishing and it's been getting harder if you're a first time author. And that was one of the things like, we love it, but we don't, we're not going to buy it. And so maybe send us something else. And at that point I was either, I think I'd had my first kid. So this whole time, like I had my first child, which a lot of times people are like, Oh, I only have one. How do you do it? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it was so hard with just one because you have all the stress of I'm a new mom. What if I break this kid? I don't know what I'm doing. It just, it's just really stressful with the first one. So I was in under all that stress. I, the manuscript happened at some point in there. I think I got the rejections after my first son, sorry, was born. And so then my, you know, my agent was like, well, just, you know, work on something else and send it when you can. And I was kind of, I, at some point, I mean, this has been years now, like six years, every year I check in. I'm like, Hey, I still haven't finished that novel. One day I'm going to send it to you. Is that still cool? And he's like, yes. So he's there. And I, but I feel like what happened is I had to put that on hold because for me, I found that fiction writing. So, you know, making up these worlds and these characters for me, it's such one of those processes where I have to like go kind of dive down deep and like live where my characters live and be in this like really entrenched mentally in that place. And I think writing is different for everybody. I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but some people are probably thinking crazy, but it was really hard to do with kids because I, as we continued to have kids. And so we had another, our boys are two years apart. Then we had a three-year break and then we kind of were like, boom, boom, boom. And had three girls. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insanity. You know, and every time with every kid, I feel like I would get my footing a little bit, but not enough to ever get to where I felt like I could really write novels. Because here's the thing for me, I don't want my kids to I mean, this is already really hard. Like just having kids in general, not working is hard, just doing it. And my patience level, I feel like is really low. And I don't want my kids to have this memory of like me that being the mom that always yelled. And I know when I'm trying to get stuff done and I get interrupted or I can't get it done, there's like this sense of frustration that builds. And I don't want that to be the experience that I'm feeling as a mom or that they remember as from their childhood. That's just not, it's not worth it to me. So I realized, you know, I've kind of been blogging this whole time. I started a blog when we were in grad school, just mostly photos. And then when I got pregnant, I started blogging because I was planning a home birth and everybody thought I was nuts. And so I was 
writing about that and just kind of about pregnancy stuff. And then I didn't realize what an outlet that was. And I started finding an audience without trying, because again, this was like 2007 and eight. So back then when you blogged, people would just find your blog and read it. That's not how it is now, but nobody promoted things on social media. That was not like a thing. And so as I continued, this blog was just running in the background and I loved it. Like I didn't make any money on it. I didn't know you could make money on it. And so in about 2013, I connected with other local bloggers through a Houston bloggers group and went to a conference called Blog Elevated and realized people were making money doing this. And so I started kind of making money on my blog because at this point, I mean, I really didn't count page views or anything else, but I kind of rebranded a little bit both for the sake of making money. And then also I kind of realized at this point, like, Hey, if I ever do get that book published, people are going to find this blog as this representative of me as a writer. Or would they be like, wow, I don't want to read her books because she's just like vomiting words, you know, like <laughs> onto the internet, which is kind of what it was for the first couple of years, because that's what blogs were. Right. So I shifted it. So it was more intentional and started doing sponsored posts, you know, doing things like diaper companies and food and all this other stuff. And, you know, tried to do things that were a good fit, but sometimes I took posts that were like car insurance and things I didn't care about. I was like, yeah, I can write about that for a couple hundred bucks, but I didn't feel great about it. And the more I did it, the less good I felt. And so I started kind of exploring other options and I got to a point where I was just burned out altogether. And I was like, I have, I have all these kids. I have this blog. I don't like what I'm doing on here. It would be nice to make some extra money, but I just don't know what I'm doing. And I feel really unfulfilled. And I went to a writing conference and it'd been a long time since I'd been in the writing world because I'd been in the blogging world. And I became sort of this go-to person at the conference who understood the things that everybody hated. So like there was a Pinterest session and everybody like you could hear people groaning in the room. Like, I mean, it was, it was almost comical. I felt so bad for the speaker, but she just was not prepared for how anti social media people were and how over their heads her presentation would be. I mean, it was so overwhelming to them, but it was old hat to me because I've been doing this for years. And I don't think I realized until that point, how much knowledge I had picked up. And so people started kind of asking me questions and I was answering them and giving them advice on how to restructure their blog to make more sense for readers or to have people get more eyes on their books and, you know, how to actually utilize Pinterest or Twitter or any of these platforms on social media. And people started emailing me. I think I had like eight people email me the week after the conference, like, can you help me? Wow. And so that's kind of where this idea for the podcast was born. Although I would say just sort of an idea was born. And then that same month I got a new phone and this is going to sound so ridiculous, but um, I had never listened to podcasts before. And my new phone had a little podcast app. It was like the newest iPhone. And it came, it was like the year that, that they started coming with the podcast app. Right. And it's like, Oh, here's where podcasts are. Cause I just, iTunes, I find ridiculous. I find it so confusing on your computer. And I was like, I don't, my iPod is broken. I don't know how to listen to this stuff. So I just sort of didn't. And having that little app made all the difference. So I went crazy and got so addicted to all the podcasts. And I was like, I want to start one right now. And within two weeks, I had started a podcast because I had this idea like, Hey, I want to help writers. I want to talk about this stuff. And then I made a list of all the people that I had connected with at all these conferences through the writing world, the blogging world that I could possibly interview. And I had a long list of people I thought would say yes. So I was like, you know what, we're just going to do this. So I took like the John Lee Dumas free podcast course and started a podcast. And again, I thought it would really be for writers, but I think because I'm interested in different things, it 
I don't stay in one place and I really do follow my curiosity a lot. So I'm sure some episodes are more for one side of my audience than another. And I know, I know all about niching down, but I'm just not going to do it. Um, I'm, you know, and it makes things harder at times. So I do try to segment my list and things, but I'm, this is just, there's a point at which you take that advice and you say that doesn't work for me because I right. don't want to do it. And so I don't. And so that's kind of the long short story of how I got here today. It's kind of a mix of strategy and prep and then following where things organically go, if that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense. And I feel like this is the perfect place to then ask you because there was a moment at that conference all those years ago when you finally said, oh my God, there's a need for this and I can fulfill it, that I would imagine like the on button got switched because now it's like, oh, I'm doing something. And even though it's, you know, it's taken time for you to understand exactly what that business model is and it's evolved since then, I would imagine that the amount of time and the amount of energy that you gave it since then has really been turned up a notch versus prior to that. So I guess the question here is, this is kind of where I wanted to pick your brain on how you manage your time. <laughs> because for example, like I was just in, in the moment that we are talking on this podcast, it is mid-March 2017. And you just interviewed me for your amazing blogging summit that's coming out. And yep. so here I am, we're able to like visually see each other. And I know that your house is nice and calm and beautiful because I'm seeing you. <laughs> and in the meanwhile, I know that that's not the case. And so I guess yeah. I just want to ask the question for anyone who is trying to manage, whether it be one kid or many, many kids and structuring their time for their business, what have you done that's worked? Um, and what hasn't worked maybe as far as like this time management thing goes? Yeah. So that's a huge question. And I laugh because I am literally looking at my office, which I cleaned out and organized like a couple months ago, but I have, I bought new lights for taking videos. And then I have the old lights. So I'm surrounded. I'm like in this like graveyard of like giant lights and, <laughs> and the boxes, the lights all came in because I was like, just in case I want to return them. So there's bubble wrap. Like that's what I'm behind me. It looks awesome in case I take a video, <laughs> but all around me, it's just a disaster. Uh -huh. And one of my kids just tried to poke his head in the office and I'm like frantically like, waving him away, like, go on, <laughs> get out. So we almost had that like BBC announcer moment happen. Um, just almost happened. Which he's, literally he's eight, though, every so mompreneur he, got. Yes, totally. But he's eight. So he listens a little better. Um, but he might be followed by a three-year-old or a two-year-old. I don't know. Okay. So time management is crazy. And I will start out by saying I have the benefit of being one of those people that does not need a lot of sleep. I never have. So uh, one of the big you. sacrifices for me is sleep. That's just reality. And I I think honestly, if you're in a situation where you have a lot of stuff to get done, that is the one place you can cut back. Now it's not always healthy and not a very can function like that. So you kind of need to find the sweet spot for that. But for me, I get about five to six hours per night and that's it. And you know, every now and then, like once every month or two weeks or so, I tell my husband, I'm like, I must sleep now. And he knows that I mean it. And so he's like, oh, go, go. So you like crash out um, for 24 hours and catch up? Not that long, but even just like a nap, like a normal right. nap. Because I have nightmares when I nap during the day. So even if I were tired, I just kind of push through because naps, I almost wake up feeling less rested because I have nightmares about things I should be doing, like stress nightmares. Oh my so, God, that's anyway, hilarious. So that's the first key is it does help if you don't need need as much sleep. But for me, what I've always done, so I'll give some, some tips and things, but I will say also, it's going to just depend on what works for you and, and your style of kid. Because I know some people who work with their kids at home and their kids are awesome for that. Mine are not. So starting 
starting when they're about one, we've always sent our kids to like a mother's morning out for like two days a week. And usually those mother's mornings out are pretty inexpensive relatively. Um, the first one we found was like a gem. It was like $85 a month for two days a week, like nine to two. And it went up every year, but like they finally closed down. I think they just couldn't afford that. Like that was so cheap. And we were really sad. We're like, no, please stay open, um, for, you know, 120 a month for all of our kids to be there. But you know, and some places don't take kids that young, you know, and there's daycare, but you know, we didn't quite want to do daycare and I wasn't making enough money to afford that even. So like the mother's morning out has been perfect. So I'd have those two days to work, which is another reason novel writing didn't work. Cause working only two days a week on something like that was really hard. Right. But then of course we have the years where we have babies at home. And so I've had some years where like everybody's in school at least two days a week. And those are the years I'm the most productive or at least have the chance to be most productive. It's really hard to protect that time. So like if I have people are like, let's go to lunch on a Tuesday or Thursday. And I'm like, no, right. (laughs) Right. We'll go on a Wednesday and I'll have to hire a babysitter or I'll bring my kid. Lord forbid, because my kids are just crazy in restaurants. Um, I probably would just say, let's meet somewhere. Come to my house. We'll bring lunch, you know, but I, I try to protect that time and never do anything else. Now, every, every so often I do something else, but when I do, I feel so frustrated about it because I know how valuable that time is. So I would say, you know, that's the first thing is if you can find a mother's morning out or something affordable to do that and then guard that time, you know, and if you need to go get a manicure because mentally that's just where you're at, then do it. But otherwise guard the time for whatever it is that you're setting it aside for. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And the other big one is I work at night when people go to sleep. Um, but that is hard because again, you know, not everybody sleeps. They, you, we just went through this period where my girls were, it was like taking them to they're two and three. It was taking them two and three hours to fall asleep. Oh, and man, they were like, it was like the cycle of overtired where they were giving up their naps, which is really early, but they all do that. I think they take after me and they don't need sleep, but then they should go to bed earlier. Right. Cause there's no nap, but they wouldn't. So like I'd or they'd fall asleep for five minutes in the car in the afternoon, and that would like set everything off. So, <laughs> you know, the nighttime time is just not as protected, right, as sending them off somewhere. So I try to work in those hours at night. Uh, my husband is super helpful, and we kind of set up a schedule like, hey, uh, it's changed a little because he's actually taking classes. He's about to change jobs, which is crazy. So we're in this period where I like, I know this is like one of the hardest periods that we'll have in a long time because we also got a puppy, which don't do that. First of all, that's, if you have one takeaway, don't get a puppy when you have a baby, but that's kid number six, girl. That's official. Yes. (laughs) And he definitely poops in the house more than anybody else. Oh my gosh. We've got the puppy, we've got a baby and he's changing jobs. So I just know if we get through this period, it's all going to be okay. Right. Barring, you know, like cancer or some giant thing. So he does help. So like for a while, Friday mornings, I was like, okay, nine to 12, you just do whatever with the kids because he wasn't working that day. And that would be my time. And so I would kind of pick these pockets of time. And then I looked at my week and looked at those chunks and then tried to label them. And it usually doesn't ever stick because something happens, something gets pushed back. But, you know, like, for example, I'd say, okay, Tuesday mornings are going to be podcast interviews. Tuesday afternoons, I'm going to write blog posts and write things. Thursdays, I'm going to work on, you know, if I'm building a course or writing a book, it's going to be that kind of work. And and tried to set or emails, you know, my I'll write my Friday emails on Thursday in that morning time when the kids are in school. And, you know, sometimes I have to call in a babysitter. Like on Tuesdays, Thursdays, now I do have the baby at home. So if I do need to do an interview, often those are the best times for people. And so like I'll call my mom or we have, we really don't use a lot of babysitters. I'm lucky to have my parents here, but they're not always available. They're busy. So I will have parents or 
maybe one or two babysitters, or I just have to not interview people, you know, or move things around. And then this is like the most genius hack that I heard of in another business group. And I don't know where, so we belong to a gym to work out. Right. And I heard about someone was bemoaning like childcare issues in this group. And this other woman said, you know what? We joined a second gym and I go to one gym in the morning and work and one gym in the afternoon at work. And I was like, that sounds terrible. Like, oh my gosh, child <laughs> abandonment. And then I was like doing the math and I was like, wait a minute. It's cheaper than daycare. It's cheaper than daycare. And also it's two hours a pop, right? You can yeah. only drop them off for two hours. And I was like, so let's take the hours they're awake, which is like 12 or more sometimes and subtract four from that. Even, and not every day do I go to two gyms, honestly. I don't, uh, cause ain't nobody got time to drive all over town to go to all these gyms. Right. But we joined the YMCA. My personal gym that we had belonged to already didn't have Wi-Fi, and they don't really have seats. Like you either work out there or like you hide in the locker room or something. I mean, there's nothing really to do there other than that. But we joined the YMCA because they have free coffee all day in a lobby with Wi-Fi and comfortable chairs. And so, like literally before we got off on this call, I was at the YMCA sitting in the lobby with my laptop working while my kids were all happily playing on the playground and doing crafts in the YMCA childcare. So that to me was a genius hack. So belonging to, you know, I have like a citywide. So in those desperate moments, and sometimes in the summer, I will do this because my husband's out of town a lot. In the morning, I could go to one YMCA for two hours that we can come back and have lunch and do activities and different things. And then in the afternoon, we can go to another YMCA for two hours. And if I want to work out, great. But also that could be four dedicated hours of work. Now I can't do interviews and stuff because it's too loud, but I can do, you know, today I was working, my website has some issues. So I started working on like the back end of my website and that I can do. So that was kind of one of the more genius hacks that sounded terrible at first. Like I really was like, Oh, how could you do that? And then I, when I, again, when I did the math, I was like, financially, that makes so much sense. And also I'm still a great mom. If my kids are in a YMCA childcare for four hours a day. Like yeah. that's still okay. And so that was really something that helped, but it's, you know, it's just about wanting it too. I think, you know, we have these pockets of time. They aren't many, you know, some people work during nap time. We do not have nap times in our house. It just, our kids are all, they all give up naps early or it doesn't all fall at the same time. We have just too many kids for that to be a real thing. Um, so we just have to make it. And I feel very driven, you know, I think underneath being a writer, I just feel driven to create. Like I've done a lot of different kinds of things for a while. I did, I was almost an art major, but I love painting and I used to paint in my free time. Um, in college I wrote music and wanted for a brief moment to be like a, a folk rock star. And so I wrote music and, and songs. And I think for me, there's this need to create. And so I am very driven. So when people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, I have to do it. That's how I want to do it so badly that I will sacrifice my house being spotless right? I will sacrifice sleep, but I don't want to sacrifice my kids. So I really do try not to work at all if we're home together. So like my computer's usually not out unless there's like an emergency, like someone emails me and like, this is broken. Did you know you spelled this wrong on your landing page? And I'm like, ah, you know, and I'll pull it out then. Or sometimes I'll, you know, check Facebook on my phone and and respond to things in my group. But I just don't work when my kids are home because that's the thing I don't want to sacrifice is their childhood, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can you, I kind of want to end with this particular conversation, which is, I call it the mompreneur equation. (laughs) Like how much energy and love your business gets versus how much energy and love your kids get and time being the backdrop of all of that. Can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about maybe what your equation is and how you 
like how you are okay with that. And I'm going in this kind of with the preconceived belief that we all say like, okay, this is where I'm dividing my time and this is how I'm doing it. But this is sliding scale, like it constantly changes. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like how you came up with like, what's how you manage what's important or like what's important in any given moment? Yeah, that is so hard. I think it is a sliding scale at all times. We're kind of, you know, people talk about balance. It's really more of like, battling that tension of being pulled in different directions. And, you know, I think for me, in some ways, it's not so much about the hours because I'm really bad about accounting. So like, I don't account for my hours necessarily, but a lot of it's about attitude. How do I feel? Can I, can I put my work away mentally enough to really enjoy my kids? Can I shelve this project that I'm so excited about for work enough to pay attention when my kid says, mommy, watch this. And, and I know that's not a super specific, like actionable answer, but a lot of it just really is kind of that checking in mentally. Like, okay, am I in tune with what's going on? Am I so distracted with my work that even when I'm not in front of my laptop, when I'm with my kids that I'm not thinking about what they're doing, that I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. Go on play. Am I doing that? Or am I invested. And I think that's hard for moms, even when we don't have other jobs we're doing, right? Like it's just sometimes really hard to be on. For me, I feel like in some ways it makes me a better mom that I have an outlet. You know, a lot of people were surprised by how quickly I went back to podcast interviews and running, you know, this profitable blogging summit, which is a huge undertaking, you know, with like a three month old, they're like, what are you doing? But for me, it helps me to be a better mom, to have some space to be human in a way that's not only, I don't want to say just because there's nothing just about being a mom, right? But not only singularly being a mom, because for me, it fulfills that creative drive that I have. And when I'm fulfilled there, it makes me a happier person. I'm more fulfilled in the sense that I can come and bring more to my kids. So a lot of it for me is, you know, again, I do try not to do any work other than the brief checking of things on phones or whatever with my kids, I try to really be there. But you know, it's so hard because I I will say, you know, you have these best intentions, right? About being there. And then your kids just drive you nuts. Like I, <laughs> I've had these days where I'm like, this is going to be an amazing afternoon. And really I say that, but I always have low expectations because that's like the number one lesson of motherhood, like have terribly low expectations because even then sometimes your kids can shatter them and they'll go lower. But, um, you know, I have this plan for a day and, and it's not, not even a big play. It's like, we will just hang out and I will be with them. And then they all just like are fighting and kicking each other and being horrible and rolling their eyes at me and being obnoxious. And I'm like, wait, why did I want to spend time with them? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like this is so miserable. It's so worthless. But then when you ask them these questions, like what do they remember? You know, we are asking questions at dinner about what was their favorite part of the day. And sometimes it's like the simple thing. It's like, you know, when I, I did this backflip and mom saw it and it's like, Oh, that's all it took, you know, like, Oh, that was so easy. And I was really in a terrible mood. So like I was looking, but I wasn't happy about it, you know? (laughs) And and still that was like the favorite part of the day. And so I think again, it's, it just goes back to that idea of, of, can I, are there times and and whatever hours that looks like for you, it's, it's going to be different. Are there times where I am fully present with my kids and, and you may not enjoy them. I would love to enjoy every minute, but the reality when people are like, enjoy every minute, I'm like, I am going to just punch you in the throat because <laughs> I love my kids to death, but oh man, get, you know, so I said, we were just at the Y getting in and out of the Y I'm carrying the baby in the sling. I have a backpack and a purse that are both enormous. And then 
all four of the other ones are running in different directions, all doing things they shouldn't be doing at the same time. Like climbing on the bushes or climbing the wall on the outside of the Y or just running as full speed ahead away from me or like wandering towards the parking lot. And I'm like, what in the world? You guys, like, <laughs> I just want to get to the car. Like, can we just get to the car? And, you know, again, you're not going to enjoy every moment, but are you having time every day? You're fully present with your kids where you're yeah. fully invested, not distracted by work. That's a burden or work. That's a joy. Cause for me, this work is a joy. But it becomes a burden when it gets in between my enjoyment of my kids. So I, I guess that. that's that's really a little woo-woo. I like to be more practical, but that's about as practical as I can get because what that's going to look like for you is different than me. Yeah, I love that. And I appreciate you telling that because I'll just give this example. Like I, this past Friday... Fridays typically are my, you know, mommy daughter day and Sedona goes to daycare the other days out of the week. And as a side note, I've always given myself the opportunity to move that around. So if one day I just want her to go to daycare two days a week, that's great. And if some days I need her to go to daycare five days a week, that's great. Like I just relinquish myself of any sense of like guilt of that. So last week I was like, okay, yay. I'm so excited for mommy daughter day. I had one meeting in the morning. So she was there for just a few hours, picked her up. And it's so easy to get into like the, oh, let's just hang out at home kind of a thing. So I was like, no, we are going and doing something. And I had in my head all of the things that I needed to do for my business. And you and I are the same. And I think just about every woman who is being featured here on this Mompreneur series is the same. We're all passionate about what we do. We love what we do. But I simultaneously also understand that there is never going to be a moment where everything's done. There's always going to be more stuff to do. So whatever. So I really had to do the work to like shut that stuff off. She and I went to the pool, we went swimming and we hadn't been swimming in months. And so, uh, we went to the pool and I swear like the first five minutes of her getting in the water, she was just giggling up a storm. And I was super present in the moment going like, this is worth it. Like the, I, like all of those like to-do lists just went out of my head and I was like, this is it. Like this day is hers and here's why, you know, like it's that Mm -hmm. moment. So, and I really appreciate you talking about the fact of whether you're in front of your computer or not, or whether you're in front of your phone or not, because your mind can be distracted too. So anyway, that's, I absolutely love that. And I think that every, that concept and everyone needs to find their own equation, if you will, on where they're comfortable with that and how much, one-on-one time or how much attention and undivided attention they're giving versus when they're in their business and all that sort of stuff. So really, really good stuff. Kirsten, I I can't thank you enough for being here and just sharing about how you make this all work and simultaneously, you know, being open about the fact that it doesn't always work. There are, you know, on one side of the camera, it's beautiful. And then on the other side of the camera, there is everything in boxes and kids peeking in the door. So that's just kind of life. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally Uh, life. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on and for sharing your story. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Katie. It was great to talk to you about this. 